It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.08 on a Saturday morning, 66.4 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. Welcome to everyone, including those who are listening to the show with their headphones on as they run down Peachtree Street for the Peachtree Road Race. Ashley Frasca, Scott Maxson, doing a great job to just keep all the plates in the air this morning. Make sure we cover the road race, cover other traffic problems, and be sure that we as a station stay on the air at the same time. 404 872 0750, the number you can dial to get all your questions about your garden, your pests, your plants, your problems, your flowers, your grass, your lawns, and anything else is on your mind this Saturday morning. Janice is in Marietta. Janice joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Janice. Hello, Walter. Good morning, and a happy Fourth of July. Good morning to you as well. How can I help? Um, I have a very thick peach tree, I, I and I know um, you don't particularly like peach trees. Oh, I love peach I, trees. I, I, I like other people taking care of peach trees, not me personally taking care of a peach tree. It's too much trouble. Well, we have a one. All the peaches um, have worms in them, and they're the kind that's got the worms have like really thick, sappy. Yeah. And, and I've noticed that it's also on the trunk of the tree. So. Um, I've pretty much gotten rid of all the peaches on the tree already. I yeah. don't know whether I can save the tree. Well, you have and, you have two problems, it looks to me like, Janice. The sappy stuff, the oozy stuff coming out of the fruit, is caused by a, a weevil insect, actually. It's a plum curculio. And the female, sometime in early June probably, will come up and sort of cut a C-shaped incision on the fruit itself and inject her eggs in there. And when the eggs hatch out, they're little grubs, little worms that we call them, and they get into the fruit. And it's only when they get a little bit bigger around the 1st of July that you suddenly notice, look, there's oozy stuff coming out of my peaches. That's not right. And you open it up, and of course you find the worm inside. But the oozy stuff that's on the trunk of the tree is more likely either peach tree borers or some other damaging thing that has caused the sap of the plant to sort of ooze through a wound and it hardens and becomes that globby stuff on the trunk of the tree. So you have two jobs. One is to prevent or control the peach curculio from getting into your fruit, and the other one is to keep the tree real healthy because there are no sprays that will that will take care of peach, peach tree borers at this point. You basically just keep the tree real healthy so that it can fight its own fights. So, wait. So the thing that's wrong with the, the tree itself, is it something that we can save the tree, or should I take the tree down? Uh, it depends on how far, how long it is. Do you have good leaves on the tree? Yeah, the tree Lots. actually looks really healthy. Awesome. awesome. Well, in that case, how often are you fertilizing the peach tree? Um, maybe once or twice a year. Go for three times a year. Go for one time in the spring when the leaves are just coming on it. Another time in mid to late May would be great. As the tree is putting on its fruit, it needs some energy to get leaves on so it can support the amount of fruit that it has. And one more time in September is about right for peach trees. 
And you could use just regular landscape fertilizer or 10-10-10 or just use the label rate of the landscape fertilizers on it. But three times a year would be about right for what a peach tree needs. And that helps it to, as I say, fight its own fights because there's nothing you can spray on the tree that will kill the borers or kill the gamosis. It's called the syndrome of things that cause the trunk to, to leak sap. So keep the tree healthy by fertilizing. If it gets real, real dry in July, August, then make sure you water it. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. I've got some more details on curculio, that weevil insect I talked about earlier. The control for it is really important because, as you see, you don't want to eat a peach that's got a worm inside of it. That doesn't make anybody want to eat that peach. So controlling curculios every year is important. And I've said this many times. My friend Willie Chance says, when you buy a peach tree, you better have a spray can in the other hand because you're going to be spraying the peach tree. That is what happens to peaches in Georgia. Yeah, and we tried not not to spray it, but we're going to have to ask. Absolutely spray yeah. it in order to, to be able to eat the peaches. Sure, sure. If you go on my website again, Curculio, Curculio uh, control information on my website, and also there's a called an IPM spray guide, integrated pest management spray guide that tries to minimize the amount of uh, synthetic sprays you have to put on a tree, but it'll give you a schedule there. That's starting around the time the peach tree starts blooming is when you start with your sprays. So it starts blooming. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks for calling, Janice. Thank you so much. Have a fourth. Have a, have a great fourth. You too. It's 7:13 on a Saturday morning. Our number's 404-872-0750. Mark is with us this morning. Hey Mark, good morning. Hello, this is Mark Ray. How are you? Hey Mark, I'm doing great. What's up? Good. Hey, uh I've been gardening for about 45 years, and we used to have dogs that ran on a cable out in the yard. Of course, that was a pretty positive control. Yeah, right. Things away cuz they would get to the garden but not into the garden. Oh, now. good. Yeah, sure. But now we don't have a fence, and we've got our dogs in the house. I've got a black lab and a white shepherd. Yeah. Uh, I tell people neither dog sheds, but uh, some gray dog leaves hair all over the house. <laughs> all right. But we, we get enough hair that I go out there, and about every week, like, I'm kind of with old Charlie on this one, because about a, every week, of course, we've got a vacuum, and I'll take that out there. Right. And that dog hair just does the trick on on rabbits, and, and he, I haven't even had any deer get in stuff. All right, Mark, I am I am moved to go, and I'll do the experiment myself. We will see. Yep. I have a yep, friend who has you. two dogs inside the house and gets mounds of hair off of her dogs, and I will get some of the hair that she brushes and gets them off the floor of the kitchen and everything and put it around my garden and around my tomatoes. That's the one I'm trying to protect and see yep. if dog hair does anything to keep the squirrels out of my out of my vegetables. I encourage you to do that. I'm a, I'm a scientist, too, so I've got empirical evidence. All right. We like that empirical evidence, Mark. <laughs> Thanks for calling, man. It was good talking to you. 14 minutes past the hour. And Sarah, Sarah's out in Conyers, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Sarah, good morning. Good morning. What can I do for you? You can tell me what's killing my marigolds. They uh, kind of have a leaf or two that just turns maybe totally black and swivels up to nothing, yeah. just maybe one or two. That happens sometimes, but the main stem from not at the ground level usually, it's up a ways on the stalk, turns brown, and it looks, it feels very hard, but all of a sudden it just falls over and dies. The whole where the brown part is, it just totally dies. Do you grow peonies at all, Sarah? I have a couple, but they're not anywhere near those. Well, what you'll find is once in a while, peonies will get a disease called botrytis. And the symptom on peonies of botrytis is the stem just turns black, and it's very noticeable inside all those green leaves, but one of the stems will turn black, and it'll 
sort of conk over and fall out, and then hopefully you remove it from the peony plant. Uh-huh. And your marigolds have the same kind of disease. It's not the one that affects the peonies because there's different ones that affect different plants. But you have botrytis. That's the name of the disease. How do you on spell the, that? B-O-T-R-Y-T-I-S, botrytis. Okay. And um, it is usually controllable just by clipping out the dead stems. That's what I tell people to do on peonies and marigolds. I don't think it would be any different, but you try to get all the inoculum, they call it, all those spores and fungi and things that are associated with botrytis to get it out of the garden. Don't put it in your compost pile, put it in a bag and put it by the street for the trash man to come get. Okay. But again, that's another situation, like the lady with the peach tree earlier, keeping the plant really, really healthy and really well fertilized is key to the whole process, making sure the plant has enough nutrition to put on new leaves when the bad part of the plant falls away. Well, they looked. I had three in one pot, and they were just blooming profusely. It looked beautiful. And then just one by one. This has happened, and now they're just all deader than a doornail. I don't recommend a fungicide. The fungicides are going to be, they're not going to have great success against botrytis, but mostly it's sanitation, removing the dead leaves, and a little bit of health attention to make sure they don't get too dry, make sure they have a little bit of fertilizer on them. If they're in a pot, of course, um, you have to water a pot a lot, and many times the watering of the, of the plant will it'll dissolve the fertilizer that's in the soil and make it run out the bottom. And so you have to fertilize potted geraniums a lot more than you perhaps would in the ground where the rainfall doesn't dissolve the fertilizer out of the ground. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I've looked for everything. I've looked for slugs. I've looked for this. (laughs) I've I've put the slug bait out and I've done spray. Okay. Botrytis. B-O-T-R-Y-T-I-S. Botrytis. That's what you've got down there in Rockdale County. Sarah, thanks so much for calling. It's 718. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. The force starts out with cloudy skies. It's going to be cloudy most of the day. Some chance of rain just about everywhere in Atlanta. By afternoon, the rain's going away, and we get our highs reaching the low 80s. And overnight, cloudy skies again. Lows dropping into the high 60s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Ashley Frasco going through all the stress of traffic in the Peachtree Road Race this morning. Let's give away the WSB McDonald's Weekend Prize Pack. Ashley will be trying to think of a number, trying to think of a number between 2 and 7 to determine who wins a pair of tickets to see Rod Stewart in concert July 15 at Verizon Wireless Amphitheater, produced by ASO Presents. A pair of tickets to see Adina Menzel in concert on July 24th at Chastain Park Amphitheater, produced by ASO Presents. Plus a pair of tickets to see Toby Keith in concert July 30th at Aaron's Amphitheater at Lakewood, produced by Ford F-Series. Three great concerts. Ashley Frasca, who wins? I want to talk to caller four. Caller number four. Ashley's waiting on you, 404-741-0750, 404-741-0750. You get to go to all those concerts. Your dance card will be filled for the month of July. Coming on the line right now with us, Chad is in Gainesville and joins us in Lawn and Garden. Hey, Chad. Good morning. I just want to say one thing. Happy birthday to our country. Happy the birthday. The ones that uh, defended it and gave all, you know. You bet. What's your question, anyway, Chad? Uh, 
I just, uh, I have an oak tree in front of my property, and uh, I haven't got up there to examine it yet. Yeah. I went to a customer's house the other day and, and was looking at his 200-year-old tree, and uh, it's on the register. It's been more than 200 years old. Hmm. It, it's a double tree, and it's split in the middle. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And the tree, the trunk itself, is the biggest one I'm talking about in my house. Yeah. So you're and, wondering about what to do with that split or what treatment you can do with it? Yes, sir. And uh, and he had a hole in his, and he poured concrete in his. Mm-hmm. And you can see on the, on the front of the tree where it healed itself. Generally speaking, concrete and other fillers, some people put expandable foam, some people put uh, mesh and cover that over with uh, plastic or things like that. Concrete certainly is common too, but generally speaking, it's the wrong thing to do. I mean, Chad, tell your neighbor and you yourself if you have holes in things in your trees where limbs split apart or where a limb broke off and makes a, a hole in the trunk. You, the concrete and the tar and the mesh and the foam and all those things, they end up causing more damage eventually to the tree. It may be five or ten years in the future, but a lot of times they dry, they shrink a little bit, water gets behind them or bugs get behind them, and then they're completely protected from the environment, and the bugs bore into the trunk or the disease starts rotting out the center of the trunk, and it's a bad thing all around. So generally speaking, if you have an arborist who tells, tells you a certain treatment to do, you can do what the arborist says, but generally for most of us who don't have arborists, degrees, the best thing to do is to leave the hole alone. Don't fill it with concrete. Don't fill it with anything. Just let the tree heal it as best the tree can. Got it? All right. I got to get out of here. It's 728 at News Talk WSB. More lawn and garden right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 737, 67 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do or don't want to do in your lawn, your garden, your trees, your shrubs, your flowers, your indoor pests, your outdoor pests, or anything in the natural world just by giving me a phone call. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden, and you can ask me anything on this fabulous 4th of July. John is in Snellville, and John joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, John, good morning. Good morning. Hey, man, what's up? I planted about 30 pepper plants, and they came up wonderful, about a foot and a half, full leaves, starting to set flowers, and then um, the leaves started looking disfigured. Yeah. And uh, How and disfigured? The, like, what, falling off. what does the disfigured part mean? What does that look like? Well, it had, like, uh, like they were, sh- like, shriveled. They weren't, like, the nice, wide leaf. They huh. were kind of curling and they they were falling off the plant do you have any mulch underneath them john yes i do what kind of mulch um just like regular like um like cypress mulch okay chipped wood or something like that cypress shredded cypress yeah um the reason i was asking because it's not uncommon at this time of year for folks to start saying yeah my tomatoes my peppers my couple more plants in the garden beans sometimes they looked great a month ago, and now the leaves sort of curled up. And many times when I ask the question, or maybe I just see the picture of the email to me, I can tell immediately 
that it's herbicide damage. And so some say, yeah, I took the grass clippings off of my lawn and I put them underneath my tomatoes. Now they're all curled up. Or it may come out that uh, they sprayed some weed killer on a sort of windy day near, next to their garden and the weed killer got over on the, on the leaves. Right. So that's one thing always I'm thinking about in the middle of the summer is could it be herbicide damage on John's peppers? Maybe, maybe not. Do you remember putting any weed killer out recently? No. Another thing, too, is I have tomatoes next to them. They're fine. Next the, all right, great. That answers I, the question right yeah, there. Tomatoes are more... the other side, and they're good. Yeah, tomatoes are just the most perfect indicator plant for herbicide damage. If your tomatoes right. are looking fine, it is not herbicide damage at all. Yeah, so all curl leaves, ball. and when they curl up, are they just cupping slightly, or is it just all the way down the mid-vein and <laughs> wrinkled up well, like a cigar? It's, it's almost like if you took them in your hand and you, like, crunch them, then mm-hmm. it's just not a smooth, you know, uh, leaf, but it falls off at the plant, at the stem. Huh. And still, and no browning or spots or yellowing no. or anything like that, right? Mm-mm. Uh, peppers right now get bacterial, bacterial blight is what it's called on peppers, but almost always you've got these big black splotches on the leaves, and the leaves fall off, sure, but you see the black splotches before they fall off. So if the right. leaf is still pretty green and doesn't have any yellow or brown holes in it and spots on it, then I'm at a loss to figure out why it would cup. And I'm sure you've watered it properly. You're not overwatering or underwatering or things like that. Right. I don't have to really water too much lately. Yeah, right. We got the rain to take care of that pretty well for us. John, if you want to, um, you can take some pictures and email them to me through my website okay. down at the bottom corner. It's contact right. Walter. Click on that and email me some pictures. But give me a close up and then back a couple of feet so I can sort of see the pattern in the garden. If I see anything, I'll email okay. you back and tell you what I think. If not, then I, I may not may not give you any advice that you don't already know. So try right. it. We'll see. This is one of those that over the radio right now I can't figure out what it would be. All right. Hey, happy 4th of July. Thank you. Happy 4th of July to you, too, John. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. 41 minutes past the hour. And let's see, we've got Michelle down in Tyrone, Georgia. Hey, Michelle, good morning. Good morning to you, Walter. How's Tyrone Um, this morning? Wet. Wet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I woke up last night about, I guess it was 2.30 or 3 o'clock, and there was such a nice rain going through my neighborhood. I just lay there in the bed thinking, boy, this is the best. Just listen to the rain coming through the trees. Exactly. It was it was beautiful. Yeah. But what happened to us was we, we took a ride yesterday, came home, and the beautiful weeping willow we planted 10 years ago, and it's about over 25 feet tall now, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's leaning out of the dirt with its roots. Oh. Right, right. I mean, can we save this? Yes, but... <laughs> Two da- very dangerous words. Yes, but yeah. it's going to be a lot of work. That's uh, where the but comes in. Okay. Um, here's what you have to do. Somebody gets out there with a shovel. Fortunate thing is the ground is soft right now, so it's not too hard to shovel particularly. And you shovel out the dirt on the side from which the roots are coming out of the ground so that you can hopefully pull the tree back with a big rope or a winch or something. You'll have to use your creativity to figure that out. But pull the tree back into an upright position so the roots can fall down into the hole that you've dug out for them. And then take the, hole, take the dirt that you've dug out and put it on top of the roots, sort of pack it down real good. But you have to leave the tree cabled or supported or some way staked upright for at least a year 
because it will take at least a year for the roots that came out of the ground today to recover and get out and sort of anchor the tree back in place in that area that you shoveled out. So it's going to take a year to finally get it done and a little bit of work today, but you could, yes, you could save it upright, okay. vertical. And, and so how deep do we have to make the hole under the roots? Just big shoveling? enough so that they, when the tree comes upright again, that the roots can get into that hole and be at about the same level that they were before they were leaned out and pulled out of the ground. Okay, well, it sounds like a busy day for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> it always is a busy day for the husband there. Of course. Oh, man. <laughs> Tell him, hey, and Tyrone for me down in Fayette County, Michelle. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. 404-872-0750. If you need something to give your husband to do, I'll be happy to provide that <laughs> this morning. Harold joins us. Harold, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? I have a fescue yard that I put in in September. We, we tilled the yard and raked it, put, yeah. put it out like you said, say do it. Good, 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 and good. I had a perfect yard, beautiful for about six or seven months, and it all died. It's brown out down there completely. That's most often a sign of too many seed put down, Harold. So can you tell me the truth? Did you put down too many seed, a lot of seed down? That could be it. I put down a 50-pound bag on the, on the backyard and each side of the house. Yeah. How about how big would you say it is? Half acre, quarter acre, third oh, acre? Oh, it's not that big. It's just... Not a huge yard, just medium. Yeah, uh, I think my instincts are correct. <laughs> I think you put down too many seeds, Harold. Well, that's, that's what I thought I might have done, but yeah. I'm going to redo it in September, so yeah. you suggested not put down that many seeds. Yeah, the general rate on fescue is five to maybe seven pounds. I know people who do it at 10 pounds because they really run a risk of having diseases to spread through it real quickly. That's what happened to yours. If you put a lot of seed down in one spot, or most any grass, fescue being the most prominent one that I think of, a lot of seeds means a lot of seedlings right next to each other. And like in kindergarten, when one kid has a cough, pretty soon every kid in kindergarten has a cough. And it's the same way with fescue seed. So if you put down 10 or 15 pounds of seed per 1,000 square feet, that's way too much. And the seedlings get sick, and then it all spreads through the whole lawn, and all of a sudden it's brown, and here's Harold calling me in July saying, yeah, my fescue doesn't look so good right now. Well, it's brown now, yeah. but I had to... Had a beautiful yard for for a few months. I know, and you were bragging to your neighbors too, weren't you, Harold? Yeah. You were so proud of that lawn. <laughs> yeah. now, now you have to pull your hat brim down over your face so they don't know who's coming by the house. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what killed your guy? Yeah, they point at you. They say, "That's Harold. He used to have a nice lawn. Now it's all brown. He can't do anything." <laughs> you got it. <laughs> but let's go back. So this uh, coming coming fall, September is a great time. You were just perfect on the timing for that. Mid September is beautiful usually, and it's a couple of days of rain you can get in. And so somewhere between five and seven pounds of seed per thousand square feet, about a bale of hay per thousand square feet to cover it over with the wheat straw and water appropriately, and it'll look a lot better next July than it does this year. Okay, well, I'll take your advice. All right, Harold. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of those things. My instincts, when he said the whole lawn is brown, mm, too many seeds. I have several neighbors who, in the last couple of years, maybe put down some um, uh, fescue sod. And another thing to remember about fescue sod is that, or fescue sod or seed, either one when planted properly, 
July and August are really stressful for fescue, even though it's a shade-tolerant grass, even though it's supposed to live pretty well in Georgia. When you get really up into the low 90s, that's when fescue starts looking around thinking, I don't really like the low 90s. I'd rather be in North Georgia. I really like the, the mid-80s for my highs in the midsummer temperatures. And so fescue will begin to turn a little bit brown, a little bit thinner than it looked back in the spring. It's not a lot to worry about because most of the time fescue will recover when things cool down a little bit in the fall. September, October, and the fescue all of a sudden gets its second wind and begins to grow and looks green and looks really thick. There's really not a big need usually to overseed fescue, and certainly you wouldn't do it in the summertime anyway. But if you want to do something to make the fescue a little happier without over-fertilizing, there are iron products. Ironite is one brand name. Ironite or Ironite Plus, either one, can be put on a fescue lawn in midsummer, which has a little bit of fertilizer in it and a good bit of iron, and the iron then makes the fescue green up, and at least it looks nice. It looks nice and green and um, um, doesn't require a lot of fertilizer, which could exacerbate any disease problems that you have. So try Ironite if you think your fescue doesn't look real good. Try that and see if it doesn't get it green again. It's 747. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. There's going to be some wet weather in a lot of places in Atlanta today. The fourth so far looks pretty dry on the runners as we're watching them on the, on the screen here. But the rest of the day, prepare. Just be prepared. It could get wet. Highs today in the low 80s and cloudy conditions tonight remain. And we'll have temperatures dripping into the high 60s as the low overnight. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Lewis and Marietta joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Lewis, good morning. Morning, Walter. How you doing? I'm doing fine, man. How can I help? I got a good spot in my yard for a tree, and I wanted to put a tulip poplar in there. I've got room because I know they grow. Hmm. But my lawn guy says to me, uh, they're not so good near houses because they're uh, they could fall over or yeah. not as strong as an oak or a water oak. I, I agree with the lawn guy. Lawn guy, I think, really? has it, unless you have a, a couple of acres around your house and you can put it at least uh, 100 to 200 feet away from the house, I think tulip poplar does indeed get way too big for most residential uh, landscapes. I go with oak. Either a, a regular or a water? Mm, water oak would be fine. Pin oak would be fine. One of the red oaks would be fine. Uh, white oak doesn't grow very fast, so I don't think I'd include white oak in there, but any of those oaks and ones you can buy at Pike certainly would be a lot more manageable, I guess, than the, the tulip poplar would be. Okay. All right. Sounds good. The other thing about tulip poplar, honestly, is they're a little messy. They drop the um, drop leaves whenever it turns dry in the summertime. They drop the big flower pods, which are pretty for a while, but after a while you get tired of raking them up. And so oaks, generally speaking, don't have near the leaf and other messy problems. They're a little bit messy in the spring when the catkins on the leaves are, will fall out, but that's about it. So I, I go with oak. And you can find those in local nurseries? Oh, yeah. Pike has oaks here all the time. Okay. I'm not sure, though, Lewis, if you really want my opinion, now's not the best time to plant them. Right. If Pike has one and you say, I've got to have one in my lawn, do that and plant it now. But one of the things you can also get from Pike is a, 
what do they call it, gator bag, tree gator, is a big plastic bag that you put around the trunk of the tree and fill it full of water once or twice a week, and it just dribbles the water into the root zone of your tree. And I think in summertime when you're planting trees and large shrubs, that really is a lifesaver for them, to have that little bit of water trickling in around them, refill the bag every, every week or so, and that, I think, gives you a lot better success with trees. Would I be better off waiting until the fall? You'd be a lot better off to wait until September and October. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, partner. Good talking to you, Lewis. Thanks for calling. It's 7.56. And by the way, don't forget, you can always go to my website for answers to a lot of your garden questions. I've got a search line that if you just put in one or two words, tomato or you know squash bug or something like that, you get a lot of articles that I've written over the past 10 or 20 years about that particular thing. And also name that plant. If you have a plant, you don't know what it is, or frankly, insects are accepted as well. I've got this sort of cadre of people who love identifying plants. Laura, uh, Bobby Wynn over in Douglasville, a bunch of people who really, really like identifying plants, and you can just submit some pictures to the Name That Plant part of my website and find that useful for yourself. You can buy books. I have the Georgia Gardener, uh, Gardener's Guide, the Getting Started Guide, the Month by Month Gardening, a fruit and vegetable book is in there as well. You can see the books that I've written that might be of use to you as well. You can subscribe to my newsletter up in the upper right-hand corner where it says subscribe to Walter's email newsletter that comes out every other Thursday. And uh, you can follow me on Facebook, the Georgia Gardener. Follow me on Facebook. Facebook and follow me on Twitter at Walter Reeves as well. Lots of stuff there at WalterReeves.com. Look around and see if you can find something that's useful for you. Details about going to Cuba, by the way. We still have a couple of spaces for folks that want to go to Cuba on a garden trip to the to the country that is just 90 miles to our southern part of Florida. It's 758 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. Uh-huh. There is nothing we can do.